guys what you're about to see is my best interview ever so make sure you watch it till the end if you're part of board army you're going to have a good time ladies and gentlemen <laughs> you have it the one and only thank you thank you so so much this is amazing thank you thank you hello everyone welcome to another exciting episode uh, with arthi and me now we've had many many famous people on the show we've had elon musk mark zuckerberg Naomi Osaka, Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, the list is endless. But today you're going to wonder who the hell is this guy? No, no, no. Uh, Why is he following up these guests? Hold on, let me finish, right? But all of these were just trial runs. They were the opening act. They were there to get the crowd warmed up because today we have the main event. Right? The person you, well, some of you were asking for it, not many, but some of you were definitely asking for it. At least one person in the comments, the one, the only. Tanmay, but Woo! thank you. I've always wanted a wrestler introduction, and I finally got it today. Thank you. <laughs> next time we get a budget for uh, some theme music. Okay, Tanmay. So, uh, uh, you are world famous in India, right? Uh, but for, <laughs> in India. But yeah. for some of our audience who are not uh, either familiar with your work, introduce yourself. Uh, I am a comedian primarily. I was one of the first batches of. uh english language stand up comedians um to become popular not from the television medium but from the internet medium right. um i was one of the first generation of youtube creators when youtube started becoming a thing in india and then the lines between mainstream celebrityhood and digital celebrityhood started merging then i started doing a bunch of different things i've produced a movie written acted directed a bunch of different stuff i've i've done a bit of everything and now primarily i run three different youtube channels uh one about crypto one about general personal finance neurology a bunch of different stuff my podcast and i have a main channel where i review memes and i make vlogs um so i do a bit of everything um yeah uh, i, I, I think it's probably safe to call you you know i'm not saying this to blow hot air you know up you behind but it's probably safe to call you one of india's most famous online people right i think you know you, at least for a certain demographic but i want to go back to your story right because uh you know you for i think when we grew up right uh, we were both pretty old uh you know when we grew up you know co- comedians being online wasn't a thing it wasn't, uh, a thing. it wasn't a thing right but i remember you you know and i remember obviously the super mario video is kind of the one which i actually really remember you know uh, but you folks were one of the first folks to actually break out on it do you remember the moment when you thought oh wait this whole youtube and the internet could be a place where i could actually be funny oh yeah very clearly in fact i want to give a shout out to youtube india youtube india when they when they just started an office in india they actively were trying to get uh, artists who were doing a lot of live performances to start coming to youtube and most of the most of the artists i remember when they were meeting had the same reaction that i did which was i don't think my art is going to translate to the digital medium i don't know how it will do on video uh until we did like the first couple of sketches and i remember one of the first sketches this is 2011 yeah they were pursuing us in 2011 we didn't we didn't agree till 2012 2012 was the first time that we were like okay let's start putting up youtube videos um and one of the first two or three videos that we did it hit a million views in like a couple of days which in at that point which is the pre geo era Yeah. In fact like 4G was like 3G was like 3G and 4G was like just about you know um penetrated the metros and 
it made the news like a video getting a million views it was on mainstream news barkhadat interviewed us barkhadat is one of the, india's most popular journalists yeah. um that's what when we started like, video it was a video with kalki it was called it's your fault it was about um it it was it was social commentary about uh, misogyny in india anyway right. uh, so that video blew up then the subsequent month we had a we had a live show tour across india where at every show we started asking people before the show started saying how many of you have come here by watching us on youtube and 95% of the hands would would go up mm-hmm. mind you we'd been doing podcasting for 2 years before that on soundcloud and yeah. we were getting 100 people to show up at our shows but then all of a sudden we went to 1000 people in every show uh that's when we felt like this is the playbook uh so now i like when 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 andrew shulz was you know doing the youtube thing he was uploading yeah. stuff he was selling out shows and there was all this commentary about how he's not going the mainstream route for a lot of comics in india I was like oh this was a, this was our main route actually this is what we've always been doing for the last right, for right. last decade youtube has been our savior right uh, in that sense yeah that's that's how we began and that's that's when it became very clear that oh distribution is king if you can have distribution for 20 25 years and you know it could be youtube or any other platform then mm-hmm. uh, you'll continue selling tickets the shift from a comedian the, a ticket is a by product of having distribution this is a cross selling product that you you can you can sell to your consumers mm-hmm. uh, that became very clear then so uh, i want to get to andrew shells and all this inter- internet stuff in a little bit but i want to maybe go back to when did you want to get into comedy because one of the first times you know we have met you know um we've known each other for many years and you know um you know and tanvi may not admit it here but he finds me incredibly funny he laughs at all my jokes there you go look at that you know, uh, there was uh, a time when you guys played fifa was, yeah no. that shall not be discussed on this episode that was part of the contract <laughs> that he made us agree to um you know, we should say that later but you know you told me about you know when we in the 90s or early 80s there was really no stand up comedy scene mm-hmm. in india mm-hmm. uh you know because you went to the movies and you know every you know even bollywood or tamil in tamil nadu you kind of had you know the comedians that was kind of the path uh there when did you want to get into comedy and how did you kind of like show up on the stand up comedy scene because i think there's an interesting cultural shift which happened in india around that time oh man um so i i watched russell peters as mm-hmm. most of my generation of comedians saw the viral russell clip uh mm-hmm. it was called comedy now yeah i saw that and that was the first time i saw a brown face be funny on stage to like a global audience like i had never seen that mm-hmm. um then i saw veerdas live and that's when i felt like okay i definitely want to go on stage i had been going on stage since i was since i was a kid i used to listen to johnny lever's cassettes yeah um and i used to memorize them and i used to you know say 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 the same jokes to other kids in school and people used to laugh so i knew that i wanted to be on stage at that point uh english language comedy wasn't very popular in fact hindi language comedy had become really popular because of one show called great indian laughter challenge it was it used to come at 9 pm on india's biggest most popular general entertainment channel um that catapulted comedians to you know to stardom because the concept of a stand up comedian before that used to be there'll be a music show there'll mm-hmm. be a break for 20 minutes is when the comedian will come and perform mm-hmm. and then right. the music show will continue that's how it it always used to be right but that minute like okay an hour two hours you can go watch a watch a comedian um but once i started seeing you know veer and russell and all these guys do english language comedy that's when i went like okay there is a there is a stark difference between what happens on television and what what like urban india was was enjoying 
so that's when I started getting on getting on stage and there became like a very clear Hindi and English type of comedy divide. And now it's all now it's all a mix. I think it wasn't so much of a language, but a sensibility difference. Right. I used to call it the divide between Bharat and India. Like Bharat mm-hmm. had a different sensibility and India had a different sensibility. Um, that became very clear in the early, you know, early 2010, 2011. That became very, very clear. How would you yeah. describe, you know, I think one thing is also, I remember you telling me was that, you know, if you look at maybe the, you know, the elite or the upper middle class in any major Indian metropolis, right? Like um, they're probably going to be similar around the world. Like the average yeah. person, what they watch on Netflix here, you know, we live sitting in the Bay Area in, in the US, it's probably going to be very similar, almost exactly like what somebody's watching in Mumbai or Delhi. 100%. In fact, Balaji keeps tweeting about this, which is the, India, you know, 600 million people are going to come online. They're all going to speak English. Not only are they all going to speak English, they're all going to be consuming culture that you, everybody else is, is consuming. Right. Um, it doesn't shock me now when I when in crypto we we hear of all these uh, like Akshay and me keep discussing saying, did you know this founder of this NFT project is Indian? I was like, I have I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but this this is sorry, well, I forgot I forgot the question. You can probably chop. Uh, basically, out. that you know, it, there's basically the upper or the, the educated uh, maybe folks with a certain level of you know economic resources in India, mm-hmm. in, especially in the major metropolises, are probably. Very similar yes. culture, uh, cultural taste to people in yeah. lots of parts of the world. So for me, that experience was interesting because uh, we we all grew up watching the same sitcoms that that our generation did there, right? Probably they were, but at least the greatest hits we all knew. We all knew the greatest yeah. songs, the most yeah. popular shows, the most popular movies. We all consumed that. So I was always very nervous about, oh my god, I'm going to perform for a international audience right mm-hmm. like I'd, n- mm-hmm. I'd never been to i'd never been to america i'd never been to any of these countries were I didn't you know specifically if... looking up any of the looking up to any of the comedians here of course so of course so uh i mean all all the all the popular u.s comedians sure but my first exposure i, I performed at comedy store in london because right. uh, the comedy store opened a franchise in bombay and they used to bring down uh comics british comics from london to come perform here that's when i started spending time around them Mm-hmm. Uh, and my first experience was, oh my God, this, you know, Louis Remy laughed at a joke of mine. I've never heard a foreigner, I've never heard a foreigner laugh at something that I said. Like that, that didn't, that calibration took time to fix. Then, right. you know, it slowly started getting more comfortable talking to Americans, you know, British people. I, it took a, it took a little while. And that's when I started realizing that actually more, sometimes, you know, my takes on some world events are probably more nuanced than some of the other folks that I know. Right. Um, largely interacting with Americans. That's when this happened, and then, yeah, that's that's where it that's where it became clear that actually the world is one. And now, when Balaji tweets this, it re- I, I really resonate with it. Oh yeah, um, uh, I think Balaji has gone all in on you know in Indians. Uh, no, but it's interesting because for us too, I think uh, when we moved to the US, right, we had this like sense of like we we're just super intimidated, and we kind of came in here being like, well, we don't really know this country, this world. Uh, we you know, obviously we have different accent. We look different. All of that. We moved to Seattle, and uh, yeah. but the one thing that was like unifying was like learning like technology. Like we had a laptop, we had internet, and uh, we knew how to like work our way through that. Exactly. So we that was kind of the common kind of you know brotherhood yeah. of sorts, where like people who knew technology, we were like, yeah, we can get along with you. You and I speak the same language. And that we can get along there. So I told, I totally see that. I resonate with like you just coming into that world. Is yeah. 
I mean, technology yeah. is like phys- it's software. Yeah. And pop culture is intellectual software, right? Like right. it's 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 a, it's the same thing. Like if you see kids now, like there are there's there's some folks in my team who are 16, 17, 18, and they keep an eye on like American Reddit mm. to see what are the latest meme templates that are probably mm. going to get adapted by Indian kids in like one week's time. Right. Right. So he sells me, he's like my meme dealer. Like he sends me wow. saying, Hey, this is the this is the latest shit that's that's popping up, this popping off in the West. Like I knew about Andrew Tate before. Most folks in India knew about Andrew Tate, right? Like, because mm-hmm. he he had seen the TikToks, he'd seen all that like a good two three weeks before. Right. So the intellectual software <clears throat> transition has already happened because right. the internet is a common place for everyone. Um, I mean, the software one was obvious f- f- a decade ago, but the in- the intellectual software is pretty obvious right. now. I guess one question I'm just curious about this is is a construction of a joke or comedy itself different for different markets? Like, mm. does India's when you when you are in a crowd in Mumbai, is a joke different, or the construction of it or delivery of it? Would would you do it differently compared to any other audience? Yeah, uh, I would. I would if I was in India. I would. I mean, la- the language barrier is 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 the one clear difference I would make. I would be a lot more comfortable uh, speaking in Hindi here, which I do. Mm-hmm. My act is a mix of Hindi and English. Um, but outside of that, I think the. The fundamentals of joke writing or creating content that's relatable doesn't change. It's it's pretty universal. Right. Fundamentally, if you're able to surprise an audience at the end of a sentence, no matter in what language, you're going to make them laugh. Um, it's actually it's puppetry of your brain. It's it's management it. of expectation and beating it. It's it. playing with anticipation. It's you know playing with silences. So the fun principles don't change. The subjects that you speak about could be different depending on where you go the audience um i mean your the most the prefrontal cortex is the one that's like context setting that's the one that you're truly appealing to yeah um but a lot of humor is amygdala driven like some stuff that that is pleasant to the amygdala in one country is not going to be different in another country primarily the baseline subjects are going to be the same you still need to be likable and non-threatening in most countries Interesting. Uh, yeah. yeah so that doesn't change you know, I was watching, um, you know, Rogan talk to the folks who do the Your Mama's House podcast, and they're basically all comedians talk and getting very nerdy about com- uh, comedy. And uh, they talked about the amount of work it takes to get like a tight 10 minute set. It right? is a lot of work, like yeah. basically dying in various open mics and riffing and tightening the beat, tightening everything. And one of the things that is interesting about what you do is you exist in various modalities that right? you're doing stand up right which you've rehearsed and you know you have the set you know the audience it's like pro wrestling it's like you know what you're doing you exist in these semi-scripted environments you're on tv which we're going to talk about and various kinds then you exist on a lot on live stream where you're reacting i am curious about how similar are the skills and preparation and how different are they for each modality man that's super interesting um First of all, the again, I come back to the principles of making content, whether it's live, whether it's uh, improvising something, whether it's scripted, whether it's stand-up, the core principles remain the same. Mm-hmm. So, in fact, I'm working on a talk right now. It's not quite there yet. I'm working on a talk about, uh, about content creation and pattern matching, mm-hmm. right? Um, content creation is nothing but brain manipulation at the end of the day. If you're able to manipulate someone's brain, you can do it real-time, you can do it scripted, you can do it in 15 different ways. Uh, the basic principles that I use is 
creating patterns and breaking them mm-hmm. um for example um what does mr beast do mr beast creates a pattern by saying uh one person is going to win this island out of 100 right so there's a certain expectation that is set and then every every few minutes he's going to break it there'll be a surprise wild thing some person gets eliminated for a reason you didn't think a new person shows up it's just creating an expectation and constantly surprising surprising you when i would live stream i would uh, i would probably know that okay if i want to keep this interesting i need to get the audience to watch t- till the end same way like a like a main like a regular video would so right. probably design it in in that way which is at the end of this live stream there's going to be a dare for the person who loses like she if me and you were supposed to mm-hmm. play fifa it's going, it's going to be a best of 10 mm-hmm. where at the end of end of it whoever whoever loses is going to do a certain thing yeah right. uh, so the principles don't change similarly in stand up right like dave chapel has a special where at the beginning of the special he says one really interesting line and then he says this will make sense to you at the end of the special mm-hmm. yes right uh, which is like creating anticipation yeah creating anticipation and then delivering on it creating yeah. a pattern and then repeating the pattern that kind of, that kind of makes the brain feel good Mm-hmm. So by the way for folks watching this show you will not believe the last question i'm going to ask tanmay at the very very end so stay tuned for that <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that kind of stuff doesn't change it applies everywhere yeah. uh so when i started when i started live streaming a lot of comedians on the scene were like so you quit comedy now you know you're not a comedian anymore and i was like i, I think the same parts of my brain enjoy itself as i would be doing stand up so yeah. i i just during the pandemic i just streamed for 2 years i didn't do, really do stand up at all yeah uh, and i had a ball i was like actually all of these mediums they it's the same thing yeah. it's just there's some sense of purity attached to one person being on stage whereas i'm like streaming is the same thing but there's you know 100000 people there it's it's, right. it's i have to say thing. uh i wanted to ask you about the live streaming part like to me when i watched that it just felt it, you know the the difference for me is i've seen your uh, comedy like stand up comedy acts on youtube but then the streaming part was very comforting it was like you know i was like hanging out with a bunch of friends correct and you're just talking you're correct. you know sometimes you're gaming and you're just like correct. chatting right and uh, yeah i wanted to ask you why did you get into streaming was it just because of the pandemic and uh, you just like wanted to pick up a new hobby or was it like mm. much something more strategic than that like why why come up with that no. why i got into streaming is a very sad story but i started streaming good 4 months before the pandemic happened yeah. uh i hadn't been working for about a year i was just sitting at home on my bed i was just playing i was playing games the whole time yeah and i was like okay i need to find something productive to do with this time yeah. i mean you were playing right. games for a year but you still sucked at fifa but sorry go on oh my god i thought we were not going to talk about it oh, it's my show Okay. And I'm going to ignore that strike watching. <laughs> <laughs> um, <Wow>. So <laughs> I was just like let me let me try streaming. The core insight was okay, I think I think a lot of lot of people watch game games, they watch gamers because it's low effort consumption of content. Mm-hmm. You come into a game, you already have context, the score is 4-3 and you know one person's got to win. Uh if someone is really good then you're watching them for the skill. I knew that if I start streaming you're not going to watch me for the skill but you're going to watch me for entertainment and I just thought okay comedian gaming is probably a good combination it's refreshing it's new not a lot of people have done this so I was pretty confident the day I started streaming that this is going to land well because I love improvising it's nothing right. but streaming is improvising so I knew it was going to land well I knew nobody else was doing it I knew it would be unique and I knew that in the whole gaming sphere in India nobody like me existed 
Right. So I was pretty confident that I'd I'd enjoy it and I'd get an audience. But, but you also mentioned ha- this uh, really interesting thing where people would be coding or doing something else and then having you in the background. In the background. Know, streaming, which is like very different from like a typical Twitch use case here, right? Yeah. See, comedian uh, or being funny, which is nothing but provider of dopamine. This as a teacher is more interesting. As a streamer is more interesting. Anything that can be taught in a funny way or anything that can be done in a slightly funnier way is naturally more interesting. Like if you look at edtech teachers in India right now, I see all these memes and uh, clips of edtech teachers in India go viral all the time. It's basically teachers who are making jokes about, uh, look at this atom, this atom and this atom. Huh? Imagine if they were dating. Huh? What would happen if they went on a date? Okay, and they're doing they're doing a comedy bit to explain chemis like a chemical thing, and it blew my mind. I was like, "You're doing stand up, you're doing stand up on live stream <laughs> to a bunch of kids to teach them chemistry. This is what it essentially is." So I think yeah, if if you, if you change the the medium of delivery of any information, it's naturally way more funny. I think funny. kids would learn so many concepts now. It just makes more sense through memes, right? Mm-hmm. Like kids are able to learn it learn it quicker. So I knew that it would work. And then Modi ji started streaming 8 p.m. He started giving these like now making these announcements. So I started experimenting with what if I watched the announcement live? And I did this experiment on YouTube. I started my streams are getting more views than NDTV, Aj Tak, India Today, all these guys. You know, I started doing way more. I started getting pictures of people watching it with their whole family, with me in the corner, and. The news going on. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it is more popular uh, than the mainstream channels? Is it, I think there's a bunch of things. I think one is because you're funny, but also I think there is a parasocial relationship because people have known you, right? You yeah. know, you 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 know, people know Trust. of you. They probably have a predetermined image of you. You are, you are a comforting presence. Yeah, it feels like. I mean, especially with the media thing, it feel, the whole thing feels like such a, a production and premeditated effort. That like a, a skin of low effort on top of it, a skin of trust on top of it, which is what I am, almost makes it makes things more like it's there's there's lower cognitive load. I don't know. Right. I, I don't know okay. how to make sense of it. Like because the media now seems like like if you notice anything that's high produced is less trustworthy. Doesn't that, doesn't that mm-hmm. seem seem to that now? Like if if there's a casual video of just something that feels more comforting, that feels more real, mm-hmm. so to say. Yeah. So yeah. I just knew that if I just sat in front of front of this, it, it would be it would be more entertaining for general folks to just be like, this is more real. I don't know how yeah. to. Yeah, they can they uh, can relate yeah. to you more than yeah. to like a streaming broadcast from NDTV as such. Yeah, like that's why when I started vlogging, everyone was like, you need a fancier camera, you need this. I was like, that's not true. I just need characters. I just need yeah. people around me that that are more. It doesn't matter if it's on an awful camera. It it, it won't matter if production is really low. India's one of India's biggest YouTubers, Bhuvan Bam. He has over, you know, 40 million subs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And his he has never used a professional camera in his life. He has only used the front cam, not even the back camera. The front camera on his phone is the only thing he's ever used to re- record videos. We've heard this again and again. We were talking to a creator who's very big on TikTok. And, you know, she has, you know, all, all sorts of amazing professional gear, but she makes the point to shoot her TikTok with the front cam and she has these head, you know, these earbuds with, the, with you know, the cables, uh, uh, buds on, because I do think it has a sense of, oh, this person just talking to me. 
as opposed exactly. to you know this is a whole production with a crew and uh yeah. everybody that's 10 people behind us with lighting and maybe you can't see us because you want to look natural yeah. uh have you heard of the phrase planted no it's like a it's like a planned candid like people would say take a candid image of me you know but a lot of them are just posing like i'll pose saying ha i'm laughing it looks like someone caught me in the moment <laughs> but really it was a planted so this okay. this falls in that genre you want to seem you want to be little prepared but not too much interesting <laughs> I, i like it i want all of my meetings to go that way planned to be planned uh, yeah yeah, that's, planned that's it, yeah. yeah. Right. Do, do you think there are certain comedians who for this it comes more naturally to so for example right like you know somebody like dave chapel i can't imagine him because he seems so prepared i know he works on his craft he does a lot oh, of yeah know, of course he, he goes a lot of open mics it's a whole thing um same with chris rock for example and as opposed to and people who can be funny off the cuff like even rogan is a good example like rogan in his podcast is very different than rogan on stage um, and doing stand up so is do you think there's a certain comedian style skill set that translates to streaming i think anyone who would be great at interviews would do decent it's like i think mitch hedberg would struggle because he was a bit of an introvert and he didn't like he didn't, he didn't really like uh, this kind of thing but yeah i think chapelle also would be great if if you've seen a chapelle chapelle is great on his feet chapelle mm-hmm. can go on stage and just talk for 30 minutes and everyone's wrapped like anyone mm-hmm. who knows how to command attention in real time would be great at streaming i think most great comics would be amazing at streaming right just right. like i think they'd be amazing at radio they'd be amazing at podcasting uh rogan has a special skill i think he is naturally curious but not just curious but the wide range of curiosity is what makes it interesting like i don't know how many things i could i could probably talk to chapelle about uh, a few things but no probably not as wide as rogan mm-hmm. mm. comedy is a lot it's a lot about likability shri if if people like you they're willing to they're willing to listen to you for longer they'll probably okay. go with your ideas a lot more i'm very likable arti sure. If you gloated about beating me in FIFA, a little lesser, maybe. Uh, we'll just edit that part out. It has been never existed. Uh, uh, I, He's uh, putting it in. Uh, it's going to play three times back to back in slow motion like it's a Madras. It's going to be a thumbnail, right? Like Tanmay gets kicked, gets his butt kicked. I want to talk about Andrew Schultz because we talked about a little bit both now and previously. You know, what do you think of what he has managed to do over the last several years? Because he's had a huge breakout year or two. I would say his podcast, uh, the special, obviously, which has done really well. Yeah. Um, you know, what do you think of him, and what do you think it means for a new generation of comedians slash YouTubers? Um. So I love I love Andrew. I think he's phenomenal. He's very funny. Andrew's really uh, he really. he's so interesting because he like this genre of which i think i think he rogan a lot of these guys fall into this like neither left not right nor right category which is i'm just here for the blasphemy i'm just here to say the shit that no one else is willing to say yeah i'm just here for the lulls like with with andrew that's what it feels like yeah. you truly feel like he's one of the friends you'd hang out with in a yeah. safe space where you know th- everything goes it's fine no one's really judging uh and that to me is like i aspire to be that person right like yeah. i i think after 10 years of ups and downs i'm still scared of what i would say pop that's what i admire about 
and to the most and to be able to build a cult following because of that i mean yeah. I, i don't think it could be a cult without it like without this personality but to be able to do that is phenomenal um i love i think andrew got addicted to the game which i think is super it's super necessary if you're going to play the internet game you want to enjoy it right like mm. i'm sure andrew is a nerd about the metrics kind of like when andrew has a video and he's about to upload it he probably knows how many views it's going to get like that's yeah. the game that i i think he enjoys he, he's done like 20 game. thumbnail variations before he uploads exactly like he's thought <laughs> he's thought about the title like because it's it's not just the comedy i think he just enjoys the the game of um playing with, with with an audience i think that's right. what it, that's what it truly is that's why i think and andrew is one of those comics he could do any form of media he could i think if andrew hosted the news it would probably be the most popular news right. show in america right like if he went live every night um if i would reaction videos it would it would do great if he did anything it would be great so i'm a big fan what do you think i think one thing andrew said in this interview with colin samir is interesting was you know the before maybe several years ago the path to mainstream comedic fame was the ultimate thing you could get was a hbo special right like you know or yeah. netflix special was kind of the thing but with you know andrew you know and like there's many others i think you know coming up really fast your youtube audience in just in terms of raw numbers right the number of people you're reaching is dramatically more and it is acting as a top of funnel to a special right where the special doesn't really matter like in fact i would say hbo you're cross selling a special right so product you're selling right mm-hmm. in the old days really like i had an argument with a comedian recently who said you know i have about i have 35 minutes which is really good but i need 20 more minutes to really make it a special and i was like why mm-hmm. why do you need 20 more minutes why can't you just drop the 35 minutes and that's it that's this is your act this is what you want to do right. said, but a special is supposed to be an hour i said no the special is supposed to be an hour because comedy central wanted to package 20 minutes of ads and it was this time slot this is why this has been working for a long time and that is why comedy has been formatted this way yeah. now it doesn't matter if you're going to upload this on youtube why mm-hmm. does it matter yep. similarly hbo special netflix special all of these felt like the the like a milestone in a comedian's life was because distribution was massively controlled how else mm-hmm. were you going to reach right. 10 million people today if you know what to talk about how to package it with the right thumbnail you can reach 20 million people every month right like right. it's it's super easy like i get i i clock 40 50 million views a month and my unique viewers are whatever 20 million or, or so on some in in some good month which is like this is nuts it's a tv network it's probably does mm-hmm. more than a bunch of news networks combined mm-hmm. it's nothing but i know what people want to watch i know right. what the title they'll click on uh, and how to get them to stay for 7 8 minutes so youtube algorithm does its thing uh, every person is a media house you don't need Netflix or HBO. Do you think though that you know the Netflix special or the HBO special there's a certain level of cultural elite prestige that comes from that because you know I look at there are certain class of folks who have a special yeah. and they are anointed uh you know there's a certain level of <laughs> you know uh there's a certain level of recognition which comes to that and of I think course. a lot of YouTubers kind of like run into this in a little bit which is even though the numbers Uh, and whether you might push back on this and I would love for you to no no um, i i agree with you please go right. yeah uh, but even though the numbers for a mr beast or andrew shells uh, might be dramatically more somebody who might get a netflix special will get like 100x lower viewership might be more accepted it's so interesting you said that because we were discussing coffee with karan i was on coffee with karan uh, recently and me and you guys were having a discussion on whatsapp about let's just like i don't want to disclose the numbers on coffee with karan but i was like i know my numbers 
and i probably know i have a vague idea about what kind of numbers the top ott shows on uh, on otts do mm-hmm. and i was like but there is a certain prestige attached to it similarly right. i used to i i was on a tv show uh, in 2017 it was a mainstream tv it used to air on star plus at 9 pm and my face was on hoardings all across the country mm. right the number of shaadi offers marriage offers that i had that week <laughs> went through the roof and i was like but not that many people watch the thing hoarding is not a big deal it's like 10000 people a day why is this what is the correlation and kunal actually kunal shah said okay bigger screen higher status like that's the that's how this country works right like it's pretty simple i think that's true for a lot of folks around I, mean, i just want, i just like the idea of like you know somebody's driving down the road in india and then stuck in traffic they look at Looking them at and they're like That's I, a good-looking dude. I, like, I, I got to marry that guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, I, I, I had a family function. Okay, I had about three family functions that year, and I sat down with my mom and I said, "What happened on this one?" She's like, "You were on hoardings. That's why everybody saw that you're you're a legitimate thing. There's a certain legitimacy with, that comes with being on a hoarding. Otherwise, the movie industry or the film industry is supposed to be like a you know But unstable." But I, I guess right? the question then is like, sure, you get marriage offers, awesome. But outside of that, does it like move the needle? What on, do you like, need outside of that? Uh, <laughs> you know, does it move the needle on like you know your your channel, your subs, all of that? Not really. That not, not really. I think it it affects the industry folks a lot because I think I think gatekeepers of brand money are the slowest to catch on to what's actually mm-hmm. what's actually working. Right. So when I did coffee with Karan, my managers were like, "This is a great time to bump your price up by twenty percent." And I was like, "This is insane." I might not upload a video for three months, and that'll actually affect my channel's performance. But it doesn't matter because I was on I was on coffee. I was on coffee with Karan. Yeah, no, I was just curious to see if it like actually moved like any kind of metrics outside. Like you know, yeah. legitimacy yeah. I think is important. I think it matters. You know, not most people. Yeah. You know, even like big celebrities don't get to go on coffee with Karan. Very limited episodes, all of that. I I get that, mm-hmm. but I'm just curious. Like you're primarily an online icon, right? Like that's kind of like what you do as. Live yeah, entertainment, everything. So, does it, it really matter to you? I think a collaboration on YouTube with a creator with five x more subs than mine would move the needle a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, would mm-hmm. for me personally. I think the the psychological milestones play a really important journey in a creator's life, right? For example, I was talking to a bunch of creators, and all all creators have this journey, okay, that they're on, which is first they want to hit. Like ten thousand subs, and they wanted hundred k subs, and they want to hit five hundred k, then a million, <laughs> and after a million in India, the creators are like, um, "When will I have my own YouTube partner that I can call? When can I? When can I get invited to go to VidCon from India? Mm. You know, when can can I get can I get a YouTube can I get a slot at YouTube Fan Fest? That's what I know. Right. Even though it doesn't actually move the needle, it's just a it's just a status psychological all, thing. All the way to like yeah. Susan texting me every day. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and then then it's like. I want to launch my own merch, even though low arpu country, the merch is not going to make you that dramatic yeah. amount of money at all. It's yeah. not worth it. Five more videos will make you that more money, but it doesn't. You want you want merch, then you want to do a live show, like like a live tour, right? And mm-hmm. then eventually you want to come on an OTT platform, which is YouTube's loss, and right. then eventually you want to come to movies. Like this is like the trajectory. That's the trajectory. Right. The this is why YouTube needed to crack YouTube originals because everybody then wants to go to Netflix or Prime. Uh, after YouTube, so like you basically, yeah, YouTube. yeah, YouTube was basically like growing all these people, and mm-hmm. then they like lose them. Yeah, and they, then they lose them. Yeah. I was telling, I had a talk with some of the YouTube folks uh, here, 
and i said you got to look at your system as like your own tier as you got to create the ladder for your own creators and you mm. got to offer them status at every point right. and it's almost like this is the carrot that's dangling in front of you unfortunately mm. after you reach like 5 million subs there's nothing else there like youtube like brands will pay you more but you get bored of you get bored of it max you can achieve go for is 10 million but after 10 million where so yeah, tell me where do? where in this trajectory are you right now i just start new channels <laughs> i say i'm just going <laughs> to scale them to 1 million all over again uh, it feels to me like you know in the us right it feels to me like there is still a gap between um you know the folks who get a netflix special and the way i like to think about it is i have a friend who says he watches things which have high rotten tomato audience scores and low cr- critics critic scores, scores. right <laughs> um and uh, because sometimes the people who get shows actually have the other way around and they have high critic scores but low audience scores um, oh yeah, yeah. do you think it's a question of okay the mainstream will you know the gatekeepers uh, you know will catch up or is there like a permanent divide where you know you're always an online personality and you never really do a crossover i think there'll always be a divide because it's like okay let me let me put it this way when there is a popularity for a hot take or a type of content or whatever is a trend it automatically creates a market for the counter mm. all right it automatically does and i think folks who write opinion pieces always want to be the counter because you're not special if you agree with everyone are you right like so i think that divide will that divide will always exist this counter right. this is like the counter culture mm. um uh, uh counter culture framework right like when something becomes the mainstream opinion you it's got to make way for for the counter so i think for critics and audiences that will always be there because how else is a critic special if not having a more superior take than what everybody else likes like how else is the critic supposed to feel good i, I like that yeah. i like that Okay, I want to just switch gears a little bit. So, you know, uh one thing Sanmay, I want to thank you for uh you know, here in public is you've been so kind to me and Arthi as we kind of like embark on our creator journey. We have taken our first step on the tier of success, you know, that you pointed. <laughs> yeah, uh, channel's been blowing up. I was going to text you guys saying what what happened in the last two weeks. Uh people knew that you were going to come on and they just subscribed <laughs> in advance. That's what happened. Uh, uh 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 we'll send you a referral fee. Um But was it was it short so seriously was it short so it's some this is one yeah, of the short yeah. so there are a couple things um so i mean the way i look at it uh, acquisition just getting more subs getting more viewers has been through shorts like that's mm. been really good for like legion top of the funnel side of things and Got then it. for attention you know we started doing solo episodes um and it's just me and shriram and we just riff right and uh, we we thought you know we we spent a lot of time on the guest side of things there's a whole workflow booking preparation all of that stuff and Into we were like life. okay let's just try a solo episode and we kind of went into this thinking it's, it's going to be okay not great like even while like shooting the episode we were like well this is fine i guess but we can't really tell there's no guest to like banter with but that did really well And, and you uh, guys talk about first job or first week on the job and that yeah, kind of thing, right? Yeah, first week on the job. If Love you it. have a new job, you know what should you do? And you know we are like the old people in Silicon Valley, so we've like done many different kind of tech jobs, and so we've been through this experience. So for us, you know, we kind of know, but we realize that on YouTube there are a lot of people who are just about getting into the workforce, getting into this like first job. You know, it's like targeted to them the advice stuff, and that's been doing really well yeah. on like metrics like retention it. and. Uh, you know people on average watch like 12 minutes of that episode like average they can yeah. normal user which is insane right like 
So yeah. just things like that. So that's been really good. And then uh, just more content. Like now we are like 17, 18 episodes in on video. So we've just been publishing yeah. a lot more content. We had a bit of an epiphany, I think, which is, uh, and, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to sound fake humble, but, you know, we really think, you know, we're still earlier in our careers, you know, we have a long way to go. Uh, we don't think we've made it by any stretch of the imagination. But we kind of realized a lot of people look at us and they are like, oh, you know, I'm in, you know, in India and I'm a student and, you know, I want to figure out, you know, how Arthi and Sriram cracked this. Uh, yeah. And one of the phrases I we've been it. using is, uh, how do you become an insider? Uh, and it's very weird because we don't think of ourselves as insiders, but I guess, but hey, you know, Taylor I'm, Lorenz does. Uh, 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 well, to quote you, I'm not going to go anywhere near that. Uh, 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 but, you know, people think of us as insiders. And, you know, but, you know, I'll see this is we genuinely think like anybody can be an insider. Like if you have a laptop, your internet connection, you know, you can write code. Like to your point, a lot of people doing interesting projects, you know, they come from India or you don't even know where they come from. They come from very different parts of the world, uh, uh, very different backgrounds. And, uh, they, and if we can find a way to give people the codes that we have cracked or you have cracked or Gary V has cracked or Elon or Mark or whoever, right? I think that's valuable. So I think that's kind of the epiphany that we've had, which I think is uh, uh, working. But, you know, maybe compared to all that, I want to get to ask you a question, which is, you know, you talked about how you sometimes careful about what you say online as we've gotten a little bit of audience. There are people who don't like our content. You know, I, I, I'm not as likable as I thought. Uh, how do you deal with haters online because you've been doing this for a long time you have a lot of people who don't like you uh how do you deal with it um hmm, that's interesting my answer to how because my career has been such that i've been asked this question every year of my career which just means that the, the, the assumption is that this guy definitely has haters okay <laughs> um like earlier the the idea would be earlier i would say that you want to pay attention to the haters but the ones who can the eloquent ones okay cuz that's like uh, um how do i how do i explain is is it eloquent or is it like a constructive hater constructive constructive mm -hmm. which is more often than not constructive criticism is elaborate and hence it needs to be eloquent for it to be elaborate right um right. otherwise otherwise there are five words and they're you know whatever they're they're, they're yeah now i think the way to like now what i do is every every piece of product that goes out every moment of spike that i think think would happen right why do i say spike because people only want to hate on you when there's a surge of relevance right which hmm. is if you're yeah. living your life nobody wants to hate on you because there's no there's no retweets on hating on you there's no retweets on you talking about your friend ajay like nobody mm -hmm. cares Sorry, right, but yeah. nobody cares about you. Yeah, but there is retweets when you talk about someone who everybody is also watching, right? Yeah. So when I have moments of spike, which is like going on coffee with Karan, I'm always aware of what are the attack vectors? What will they what will they attack you with? Because you have to remember that you are a tool for retweets and nothing else. It's not actually real hate. You're a tool for depending on the news day that it is, whatever it is that that you say, what are the attack vectors gonna be? So I'm a lot more careful about uh, what I say now, especially during moments moments of spike. Uh, but that's because a lot of my revenue depends on branded content, right? Like essentially, essentially that's that's actually the big gatekeeper. The day the day I'm post economic, I just know that I will slowly start saying what I truly want to, 
actually don't care if you go tag the brand that worked with me i don't care if you go tag my boss i don't care if you go tag the podcast host who had me it stops mattering to me that's right. when i that's when i let go uh, outside of the branded content side of things does it does it affect you though like psychologically of course like yeah. the brain is like there is no free will everything is deterministic the brain just feels <laughs> what it does irrespective of mm-hmm. like i don't think i've i've managed to train my uh brain to not feel bad yet but i think i think i'll get i've gotten much better now when i see an attack vector that's uh either if it's predicted i feel good i feel like i knew this would come mm-hmm. i'm at least glad i called it uh or if it's something i didn't predict that's amusing which is oh interesting i still feel bad <laughs> but interesting that you chose this route <laughs> yeah uh, so tanmay how are people going to hate on this episode uh on this episode oh, this is the good exercise right? <laughs> uh one is the one that i already told you right you can't get elon musk and all you know a pomp and all these guys from you know who's incredibly successful and then followed up with a comedian i just like this guy doesn't deserve to be on your show this guy didn't add anything to my life you had ar rahman the last time why is this guy here that's that i think is one obvious attack vector that i'm very conscious of and i called it um well there's somebody who's typing in a hateful comment right now and you're saying this he's like oh shit oh shit <laughs> i think we'll just take this clip and set it aside and just publish the rest of the episode and then follow through later which is the end right, okay what that would be pretty funny uh on this one this one i think is the most obvious one uh people might say regurgitate i know one thing that i have gotten before and i know it'll make sense if people who like i'm assuming a lot of my folks would have watch would would watch this which is folks who have followed me mm. uh, there would be there would be like i've heard him say this in in another place yeah. like i think that's one but that, that's not attacky at all i don't think uh but yeah that's the only one i can think of immediately off the top of my head maybe once yeah, like, for folks who mind. want to say that of all of tanmay's fans number one just hit subscribe below first <laughs> right and then share the channel and the link so that a lot of people can see it so uh you know i just want to make sure we get our word out no um, but do do subscribe it will open like you like shirab and arthi talk to such a wide variety of people like you'll you'll think out of the box like you you'll, you'll just get a view into what what you think is your ceiling which i think oh, is thank you thank important. you so much uh it, the one thing i love about talking to you seriously is you are my conduit to how young people in india think right like and every time we have met we've known each other probably like 5 6 years now right you'll always tell me like how do young people think uh, and a lot of young people actually watch our show uh, a lot of young people in india also and i'm sure your audience if you could broadcast a message out to some 17 to 22 23 year old you know maybe they're living in urban india or in bharat like what would some themes be mm. i think there was there was a you know there was a quote i read by naval like i think 3 years ago which was today's generation has a problem of abundance yeah he said that um, in uh, the joe rogan podcast i think yeah i think on on the rogan podcast we have a problem of uh, i think yeah the problem of abundance which is becoming increasingly more and more clear to me so now i'm doing a bunch of these health experiments right mm. like because of my lifestyle uh, my one of my eyes is weaker i want to lose weight but my body is struggling to let the weight go uh, so i'm actively trying to do away from screen time get my vestibular system kicked up the second i wake up in the morning a bunch of these things and it just makes me realize that um just this this whole generation is sitting down and consuming stuff which is awful for our brain uh that i think is one thing that 
that I feel like is wasted potential. I see so many like kids and kids who are 14, 15 getting, you know, cancelled in school and they start virtue signaling then and they start playing, they start playing a social game online, which takes away from probably your most interesting, interesting years. I think kids should get away from that as quickly as possible. There are, um, like I was reading, I was listening to the Huberman, Huberman uh, Labs podcast mm-hmm. saying kids who start vaping, it's harder for them to let go because there's likelihood of depression is way higher if you start if you start vaping younger, younger. which is just insane imagine picking up a bad habit and you can't leave it because you'll get depressed after that like that's yeah. that's nuts it gets right so, and that's like like so there's just there's just too many things to stimulate your brain and i feel like the this generation not no one is willing no one is sitting down and actively working on this because the even the adults are addicted right like who's who you know uh, So I think that is one thing that I would like sometimes I'm streaming a game and there are folks who are like I've been on the stream for the last 1 hour I'm like this is not good for you yeah. I'm doing this because there's a very clear benefit for me to do this mm-hmm. but what is in it for you yeah uh, that I think is this this generation really needs to figure it out quickly because uh, they don't even know that they're being controlled in ways that they shouldn't be in you know Huberman you know by the way who's going to be on our guest right like he's going to be really? the follow He's going to try and follow Tanmay. It's going to be hard for him uh, oh. soon. And uh, <laughs> uh, but it, one of the things that lesson to take away from Huberman is, you know, we might be the last generation who remembered a time pre-internet. Uh, yes. You know, um, exactly. and we, you know, we knew Doordarshan, right? Uh, and we knew like not having choice or not being able to watch anything you want, do anything we, you want. We knew what it was to actually be bored. Yeah. You know, just right. sure. Do- dopamine was an occasion. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like. I was talking to Johnny Lever who did a did a show recently in 2000 2019 I think the last one 2020 where I went to one of his shows and I met him after and he said something so interesting I said what's changed you last performed in you know 2001 2002 it's been 15 years what's changed and he said comedy is no longer an occasion I remember when I used to do a show people used to dress up and they would come yeah they would come sit at a show it was an evening out for them Yeah. But now comedy is just a medium like everything the news happens and there's four jokes about it instantly. Mm-hmm. So I, I just extrapolated I think dopamine used to be an occasion for us and now it's no longer that. Yeah. And I think what Huberman really taught me I think from his content is you can choose what you want to use your dopamine on and it's a little bit like a fuel and uh if you choose to use it on you know you wake up and you're scrolling through content and by the way i'm not against internet without the internet arthi and i wouldn't have met we wouldn't be here where we are my entire career is bound up in it um i'm not known to preach but if you like spend your dopamine online on screens that means less for you to use it on other things that you want to do in life like okay. fall in love or have regular human relationships and any of it and i i think that's one of the things which maybe good they go okay and you know in the current culture of abundance you can anytime you can just scroll through and that means you know you wanting to step out or do something is like you know just you just don't need to um okay right. the other question i, I wish there was a way there was like a fantasy dopamine fantasy game you know how there's football fantasy which is okay you have 100 points of dopamine yeah. here's how you can spend them right social media is a 50 point card like you can't you can't pick that mm-hmm. right but like running is 10 points you can club you can stack running with this 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 and that makes up 50 points which one do you want to do do you want a five player team or do you want a 20 player team mm-hmm. I, i i i like that uh, uh, that's a good idea somebody should do that um <laughs> the, but the other interesting theme which gary we talked about when he came on our show was young people need accountability 
right? And I think there's been a shift, at least in US culture, I'm not terribly about Indian culture, where if life isn't working out for you, there might be a tendency to maybe blame others uh, or blame yeah. the system. Of and course. there are always a lot of legitimate questions and we can have an entire conversation on that. Um, you know, but I do think there is some validity in terms of trying to take accountability for your own situation and trying to make yourself better, either physically, mentally, or, you know, some combination thereof. Do you think about that? Or do you think that's relevant there too? All the time. Like, uh, uh, I think this is the thing that I used to tell my friends saying, whenever I see like someone's Instagram story update and it has like, you know, that Instagram story, when you yeah. upload, it's like, it's usually a thing, right? Yeah. But it becomes a dot. dot That's how yeah. many stories you upload. I'm yeah. like, this person's having a very bad day yeah. right now. <laughs> right? Like, if, they, if you shared 40 stories, you really, you really are in the, you really need that dopamine hit, right? Like, you're having an awful day. Amazing you're uh, articulating it because I sense it. I've never actually, like, put it in words. I, yeah. I totally know what you mean. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, you, you can just feel people like just punching in the air, wanting to just make something correct. Yeah, just like uh, shout into the, the void. Yeah, I used to do this when people used to at one point when I wanted to engage with people used to hate me, I'd reply back and be like, what's what's actually happening? Can you talk for it? It's like, oh, sorry, dude, I just had a really bad day about this thing. And I'm stressed about this thing. And that's why it came out on you. That happens all the time. It's wow. uh, people are le- people are less rude in person, right? Because they can touch and feel you and you're not an actual literal punching bag. Whereas yeah. online, everyone's a punching bag. Who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, okay, so changing tracks a little bit, you know, you have been very good about reinventing yourself, right? Like stand-up comedy, figuring out, you know, streaming, streaming, crypto. YouTube streaming, um, you know, crypto, uh, which I want to talk to you about in a little bit. Like, what do you think about the per- how you as kind of like a a star, uh, you know, a mainstream celebrity of sorts. How do you think about reinvention? Because certain percent people would seem to do it really, really well. Uh, I see it here in online culture, right? Like, you know, Arty and I talk about Madonna, somebody who always uh, reinvents uh, herself. When, when Bill, she, Bill Smith is a great example. At least uh, Bill, well, Bill Smith is an online star. He now. might have gone too far the reinvention part <laughs> yeah, of the process, yeah. right? Like, you know, <laughs> uh, maybe back up a little bit. But but yeah. know, Gary is actually a great example where Gary, Gary we, um, you know, you used to do wine and then, you know. Uh, we talk a lot about like hustle culture and working hard. And now, you know, he's really into like, Oh, you know, accountability for young kids, but also like mindfulness and talks about that stuff. So, you, you know, just constantly reinvents. But for you, it's not just the reinvention. You also seem to know, like you're like an early adopter on YouTube. Uh, mm. And you kind of like figure out the zeitgeisty moment before it actually becomes that moment. And you kind of get in early on it. And mm. you're like, you grab it, you make, you go big on it. And then you find the next thing, you go big on it. Like you're you're able to continuously just grow, reinvent, and move on to the next thing and like keep capturing that audience. How do you do it? I have a new script for this question every time, but the true <laughs> answer is I don't know. Um I think I mean, is it your meme dealer who's like, hey man, like now you have to go do this? <laughs> I don't know. I like really um I've never been able to articulate it outside of just following what feels most addictive is um, is 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 the only answer. Hmm. Um, I I really don't know how to answer this question except that I enjoy I, yeah. I really enjoy playing the game. Hmm. The game is like 
I think for a lot of creators, you have to distance the idea of self. Yeah. From the game. Yeah. But in my first part of my career, I was it, this was the same thing, which is what I do. That is me. But now I'm slightly more distanced from it. I'm still pretty close, but I'm slightly more distanced from it. Where it feels like, like I'm. It feels like when I wake up, I have to switch on. Okay, this is the game that I have to play today. I have to go do this, 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 as opposed to this is not who I am. That distance becomes very important for you to be able to handle the troughs and the and and the highs both mm-hmm. simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's tough to cut. It's like I recommend a cancellation for every creator. I tell them, say, if you can, if you can hit rock bottom, please do because nothing teaches you more than you know. Uh, nothing teaches you more. That's actually a really yeah, nice. I, I don't know about that because I don't think a lot of people can handle that. Like you know what what you went through, for example. I I, th- I think most people would be able to, even if they don't handle it the way I did, they would they would come out of the other end with immense clarity. And mm-hmm. it's almost mm-hmm. like like I aged ten years in like two years, right? Like because mm-hmm. like that kind of it's not number of this. I think I'm quoting Kuna. Number of years of experience is number of experiences a year that truly makes makes you grow, right? So that is immensely important. It's like, mm-hmm. but if if you if you were dating someone, you're in the same city, that's fine. It might take you five years to feel a certain way of bonding. But if you mm-hmm. travel with them for two, it's all of a sudden wildly different, right? You feel you feel a lot more. Bonding, mm-hmm. right? Like men bond with, yeah, uh, with you know, uh, when they're under pain together. This is why people who go to war together, mm-hmm. people who worked in office together, had a common oppressor, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I recommend a cancellation to every creator. I think you need to have that bottom. Mm-hmm. That is truly important. And there was a story I was going to tell the story, which is uh, I forget what the context of the story was, but when you climb a mountain, right, you need to reach the top of the mountain. to be able to see that there is a higher mountain on the other side so you need to be able to come down again and then go all the way up again right like for example for a lot of folks who generated wealth for themselves why a lot of them now interested in content creation and personal brand and that sort of a thing right which is oh i captured this mountain now i see another mountain that i that i that i want to that i want to go after and then you climb that and then you're like there's there's a there's another one So I think this is the key to reinvention, which is which is identifying the next mountain that you that you want to climb, because otherwise it's just life is just boring, right? Like so. Mm. This might this might be a good segue into this question, which is in let's say you're fast forwarding five years, ten years in the future, uh, you know, Tanmay of then is obviously still streaming, still on YouTube, still shit posting, you know. But what yeah. else would you maybe imagine yourself doing? I think the next ten years, I'll go I'll go very deep into health. uh mm-hmm. i think I, after moving to bangalore for the last 6 to eight, for the last 8 months i've gotten into uh fitness and uh understanding understanding a lot of lot of things about my own body i think the next i'll probably start making content about it but i don't feel confident enough yet mm-hmm. i feel like if i start making health and fitness content people will be like have you seen yourself what are you doing but i think that's that's the next i, I think i'm going to get into fitness i will forever make content I, I don't think that's going to stop. Be it in any genre, be it words or performance or or videos. Mm-hmm. I think a short a short feedback loop is really important mm-hmm. because, like a lot of folks, what they do is they'll they'll begin their career by attempting a movie. Mm-hmm. They'll still spend three years writing a movie, and I'm like, unless you've written all your life, you you don't want to invest your time into a long term project like this because. You got to get really good at the cover drive to start playing a test match, right? Like you got to get really good at some <laughs> stuff 
start to start playing that otherwise you're you're really sh- you're shooting in the dark um so i think i think i will always make content and i, I think i'll i one of the new things that i started doing is work with startups works with founders founders have faced all kinds of uh, problems right like especially second time founders i love sitting and hanging out with second time founders they're so much more secure they've done their yeah. first thing they found yeah. success and now everything is on like oh you want to solve this problem oh you do xyz it's done yeah yeah like, they have a love, for everything yeah they have a framework for everything it's like it's like reading a book if you hang out with a with second time founder like for 6 hours mm-hmm. i love i love doing that stuff um Yeah, this is what I think is the plan for the next ten years. Shri, there's I'll have more than ten years, man. There's a lot of life that's left. This, uh, I, 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 I don't know. Like we'll see how many cancellations you have left. Uh, uh, I think um, I have three more careers in me. I, I like it. Yes, I, I think yes. so too. I, I think also, you know, because you're such a naturally curious and relatable and likable person, you know, you can do different kinds of content. You can flex between, you know, celeb gossip culture, you know, and coffee with Karan. but then you can go talking into finance and maybe we can talk about this like crypto so you got pretty deep into crypto you you know uh, host uh, in a show with akshay uh, who's pretty awesome uh, how did you get into crypto what got you interested what do you think of what's happening in crypto now obviously i have some vested interest here but i'm curious to get your take uh i got into crypto because akshay is is a common friend of ours he used to be a comedian then he worked at uber he's a lawyer he's, he's he does all kinds of cool things He called me and said he'll stop being friends with me unless I buy Bitcoin. That's pretty much it. That's the main reason why I got into crypto. <laughs> when when I actually the this? first it was this was in 2020. He okay. called me and it was a it was a 75 minute phone call where he called me on Zoom. Um, and I at that point I started streaming. So I have by the way I've recorded the whole conversation because he was in this trance. All right, he was like, "Man, I can't tell you, man. I can't." At that point, he called like Bitcoin 50k. Okay. there only i was like i want to hit record because what if it comes true isn't this an insane moment that my friend yeah. is ranting to me saying we start talking about banks we start start talking about this and then i said cool i'll, I'll buy bitcoin let me buy some and then i did and once my skin was in the game i just spent 2 hours with him every day talking about crypto um then he offered to start paying me i used to have a second channel where i where i used to talk about finance he said can i pay you to make a video about bitcoin i said no 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 I'll do it. Like the money is not the driver for me. The traction on the content is what will make me feel really good. And yeah. I made a video about Bitcoin, and this is at the peak of the bull market, right? And that video did like half a million views. I was like, holy shit, we're going to talk crypto now. So then I started getting deeper into it. I'm reading Masari's E2.0 report. At some point, Akshay was like, do you just want to start a podcast? I said, okay, let's do it. Then the DAO happened uh, because yeah. Akshay's the Akshay was the one who ignited the idea. He said, wouldn't it be cool if we were able to make 100 millionaires out of these young super genius kids from middle india like wouldn't that be cool i love the idea of, i love a i love the story of someone who came from nothing and they just absolutely crushed it mm-hmm. i love that idea so if if someone could be in bhopal or wherever like a probably a more tier 3 city and be able to earn in a global asset that makes them way more money than you know than the current system would allow if they followed the natural graph if we can create a system where we can make that happen that would be pretty cool and now i think our gdp has we've given away uh, like through work to earn almost close to a million dollars now has gone to about 150 members which is pretty insane to think about in the last yeah. 10 months a million dollars worth of work has been generated for about 200 of these young uh, 
Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think the young people in India and crypto is so interesting. I mean, you and I both know Gajesh, who I think is maybe 13, 14, 14 yeah. years old, 15 years old, 13 years old. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I think, I don't know, he's, I think he's an intern at FTX now. Um, yeah, um, um, FTX. Yeah, but, XNFT. yeah, and, you know, but it's amazing because, you know, uh, there are not a lot of, it, it would have been impossible for a median 14 year old in India to have access to the opportunity. And, WhatsApping SBF. That's pretty insane. Uh, you know, or, or to have, you know, just have kind of the platform and everything he does, right? And I hope, you know, he has a fantastic career and he's very skilled and talented. But just the access he has because of that, you know, uh, um, this is amazing. So what do you think of the state of crypto in India now? I mean, the regulatory concerns are still large large and looming. Hmm. But uh, it's so obvious that Indians would crush it. if they. I mean, they already are, as a lot of pseudonymous people. Uh, you know, pseudonymously, they already are. Mm-hmm. Um, but the re- like the regulatory concerns are too, like it's one of those, like everyone talks about it. Everyone's like, the second they start crushing it, they all move to Dubai. Um, like the talent, it's pretty obvious that the talent is here. Like that thesis is completely playing out. Um, apart from that, it's been, it's been more, I think, if you talk to anyone who's been there for about two cycles, I was talking to Joel John, Mm. who's who's seen Indian talent across two cycles and he says there's the difference is night and day like dramatically higher and now it's not just earlier it was just the technical talent who were interested but now crypto has bled into more mainstream pop culture that the last hacker house that we did in, in Delhi we had about 30 percent 35 percent non-technical talent show up which is really mm-hmm. important mm-hmm. for it to be just cool that not just a bunch of nerds care about it's it's now looked at as a Hey, this is this is like a legit industry that that not many non-technical folks are completely into it. So maybe this is an opportunity to be early on on something. That's become pretty clear. And during the bear market, we're having the bigger biggest hacker houses. The biggest hacker house for Solana yeah, so, happened. Okay, so, for people who don't know, what what is Super Team? What are these hacker houses? What do you do? Uh, Super Team is basically a Discord server of incredibly talented young Indians, technical and non-technical. Okay. who work uh, right now, they're all working on Solana projects. So they can either come take up an Instagram, which is apply saying, I want to build this and they get, they get a grant immediately, or there are bounties every week, which is, Hey, here's, you can make, you can make a thousand dollars. If you write a great essay about this thing, you can make a thousand dollars if you do this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once they show a proof of work, which is if they win a bounty, they get to enter the discord server. Um, like it's 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 gated so it's gated community of really high functioning really talented individuals who've shown proof of work and once they come in there's all kinds of there's all kinds of activities to do there's projects flying around there's freelance opportunities uh ways for you to you know uh make an income uh ways for you to get a job now we have super team earn which is a platform where uh, every job on the Solana network is all in, in one place. So anybody can go apply. You can just look at what's available. There's bounties, grants, everything on, on in one place. There's over $18 million worth of jobs and grants all in one place. So that's that's what they built. And then it's just a cool community where, you know, um, yeah, where kids flex about how how cool, what, what cool shit they're building, which is nice. That's great. I mean, um, yeah. that's, that's, can't get better than that. Yeah, people like spam W's when someone's like, hey, oh, I don't even know what they built, right? Because it's too technical for me to understand. But people are celebrating technical milestones that I wouldn't understand. And people celebrate each other's, uh, you know, bounty winnings, like, you know. And, and anyone a... can apply. How do you choose 
who can just uh, follow that just follow the tw- twitter account or go to uh, superteam.fun you should be able to see bounties there mm-hmm. it's pretty easy for you to do that's awesome it's cool yeah yeah i i think you know i wanted to talk about we were talking about creators we were talking about crypto um one thing i wanted to ask and again just curious um who's a creator um uh, who is not yet super well known but who you think is going to do really well could be within india outside anywhere but you know you're really good at spotting patterns and going like early on this stuff so who's somebody who's going to do really well you think or is like incredibly promising man i if you ask me this like 3 months ago i would have had a list but they all popped recently <laughs> who, who, who did we have <laughs> so there's there's a youtuber called uh hang on there's a youtuber called saurav joshi saurav joshi is i think now at 15 million i think subs Okay. I okay. discovered him when he was at a hundred and fifty k, which is okay. still not early enough. Okay, but it was it was a hundred k, hundred fifty k. He'd been doing he'd been vlogging for about a couple of months, and I'd seen this. So, so, so to give you context to who Saurav Joshi is, Saurav Joshi is a kid who currently lives in Haldwani, uh, in in somewhere up up north in India. It's a small town. It's a tier two town. and he just vlogs his daily life which is trekking in the mountains mm-hmm. going buying a scooter for dad taking my little brother to to school that kind of stuff okay yeah. it's really, really good production wise wholesome good content really wholesome it is and he uploads every day and he gets 6 million views every day on every vlog he is the most popular uh, daily soap in india this is how i like i like to frame it <laughs> at that point he was uploading every day and i called it at 100k and 50k and i was working with a bunch of startups and i messaged every founder saying yo this kid is going to be india's biggest vlogger you have to lock him down for a 10 video deal now none of them took me up on it <laughs> and all of them now there's about 3 4 founders all of them text me saying should i listen to it now he's too expensive i was like i told you guys that this guy is going to blow up what did you see about him at that 100k number that made you go like this person he's going to be really big i saw that i watched ten of his vlogs back to back and i uh, this is the framing i came up with he's going to be india's biggest daily soap because so he has a, he has so vlogging especially daily vlog is all about characters right mm-hmm. so you have a younger brother who's really cute right that's like the main uh, like that, that's the mo- that's the energy of the vlog then he has a then he, his parents they are oblivious to the camera around them right because a lot of people they get very like when the cameras around them they start performing they, and everything they so please yeah but his mom doesn't care about the camera his mom is cooking and she's yelling at him while cooking saying i told mm-hmm. you to get this which is it's so authentic it's voyeuristic hmm. meets comedy meets like wholesomeness it's a bit of everything together you can't take your eyes off it cool. and he had he had a, he had he had the he had a great mixture of every uh, everything that makes a good vlog it was tight it was consistent it was it was daily he had good characters and it was authentic um and one thing one video of his okay let me explain to you what this video was this is one of his first viral videos i love this video it's a it's a vlog that's made in one room It's their hall. The whole family is there. It's him, his brother, his cousin, his parents, his mama, mommy, or chacha, chachi. Someone's there, and the youngest kid, Piyush, has locked his father's phone. Okay, he tried to unlock it many times, but he got the pattern wrong. Now it's locked, and there's something really important on the phone. Okay, and the whole family is sitting in the hall, like telling Piyush, "Why did you do this? You wrecked it. You ruined it." <laughs> and piyush is in tears like i'm so sorry i didn't mean to can i try again 
please let me try and it's a 10 minute vlog of just this one discussion almost like no cuts in this and it's so entertaining and it's so relatable like i can totally see how the young kid is going to get wrecked by the whole family for doing <laughs> so sweet <laughs> all, the, all the past was family traumas yeah, coming huh? back to me yeah. oh man yeah maybe last couple of questions right you know let's say you know we fast forward several decades you know you, you know and you know you you know you're a wise old wiser much much older man and you're looking back on your life we ask every guest this what would you have had to accomplish do professionally personally that would make you go okay i did everything i set out to do and i'm quite happy are you asking me the secret to being happy shri <laughs> that's a good uh, what is this question can me explain the secret to uh, happiness in life <laughs> wow give me on your deathbed give me, give me a harder problem to solve what is this uh hmm i think my most immediate goal is to stop doing things for money that's my most immediate goal as as a wait how are you uh, going to be post economic then i don't understand this plan like i want to like i want to be post economic as quickly as possible <laughs> i got to call every founder i know saying yo you got to you got to so the way you, you want to <laughs> let me you want to stop caring about money by basically becoming as <laughs> <interesting> <laughs> <laughs> See, there is there, there's the there's the curve right there's the curve which is money stops affecting your lifestyle after a certain point yeah right like, Are you i at want point? you want i want this, i don't want to go down from this lifestyle that i have right now like i think this is good if i can sustain this with no work that would be great i like it that way right well elon musk doesn't have to care about money we all should not have to care about money this <laughs> take a lot of money great life advice yeah i think the like i have i have stuff mapped out for like the next few years like like for example like i, I know i want to i want to have some impact for good but yeah. i don't know what it is is it going to be a startup is it i don't know what it is but i also know i love making content so i just know that i'm going to make like philanthropic comedy like does that i don't know if that if that makes sense but fun videos that lead to philanthropy like i, I mean like mr beast right mr beast in like, mr. like mr like mr like right. mr beast does. i think that's that's awesome uh, i want to do i want to set up bot army foundation almost immediately like in the next year or, or so that's that's something i want to do um for me the physically like i want to explore myself physically because i've been overweight my whole life so i know i want to spend the next decade exploring just all the things that my body can truly do mm-hmm. like i i hate going on roller coasters for example i've never thought of going bungee jumping i have never gone on a trek i'm now learning how to swim because i was too scared i'm going to drown like that i just want to explore myself mm-hmm. physically i think that is super important uh, yeah this is all this is how far i've thought for the next 10 years i think these two three things would probably make me really happy then after 10 years this probably will bore me again then i'll have to find another thing mm. i think yeah. we'll Uh, this is what you're enjoying this right now shri but if i ask you what are you going to do 10 years later you know you don't know if you're going to be podcasting 10 years later you'd be like no that probably would bore you right i hope so i don't know i, I think the thing i be like about podcasting is um, i think some of the secrets to this is you have to love the actual thing in itself and not the results um yeah, because if you do it for the results you're going to get frustrated or maybe you get there and then you don't want to do it anymore and the thing about podcasting or what we're doing right now is like the conversation we're having now is you know there's a little bit of like performance to it because we know this is going to be recorded 
but it's probably 80% of what we would just shoot the shit about right like correct, you know uh, uh, you know uh, i'm actually much funnier when the camera is off and people can't see it but uh, <laughs> unfortunately we... there is no evidence of it so <laughs> Uh, well, uh, yeah, sadly. Um, um, but you know, this is basically what we talk about, and I think we just enjoy conversations, and we enjoy love talking to smart people. And you're one of the smartest people I know, and I have to sadly admit that. Uh, and you know, it, it's just fun, so we can do it forever. You know, and we talk to somebody like Lex Friedman or Rogan. Um, they just would do it for fun, and all of these people are exactly the same off camera they just love talking to people and understanding that's how fair. if you're able to translate actual conversations you have into media that feels like that that's great you're able to share something and maybe that that helps someone and to actually to put it in to put in if i had to put it in a way that i already explained previously in this podcast i think the key to happiness is to find a newer mountain to climb mm-hmm. every now and then Mm-hmm. Is to be able to climb one, get down, and then start start on a new thing, right? That's mm-hmm. why I said I, I think I have three more careers in me. Yeah, which is really yeah. it's it's like it's like uh, it takes a full decade for you to have a beginner's mindset, keep at it, correct, kind of enjoy the journey. Yeah. Exactly. Like one thing I want to get to is uh, a lot of people ask us about this, and I think I feel this a lot. Do you ever deal with imposter syndrome in terms of like are you All in a room? the time? Okay, me tell us the podcast is me constantly being like, what am I doing here? I told you this. Um, <laughs> You are the middle act between Elon Musk and Gary Vee and Andrew. <laughs> Did you ever? I want to ask you. Like, you guys come from, uh, like, when you guys are hanging out with Elon Musk, is there a moment like at the end of Ratatouille where you go back to your childhood in India <laughs> and you guys are like, "How the hell is this happening to me right now?" You know, do uh, you guys ever feel that? Well. Let me be honest. There are times when people ask me this, and I would dodge the question because I don't want to say that you know we know somebody famous or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but through this, I think yes, right? Like because uh, and it happens a lot, right? It happens, for example, when we were at Microsoft. Arthi, you know, when we were much younger, first had an encounter with Bill Gates, and she talked to him for a little bit, right? And it's Bill Gates, and you going like, wow, you know, like you know, I think we called up our houses, and you know, we told our mom like, oh my god, like we just spoke to Bill Gates, and he sent us an email about something, and you know, we, it's very special. So, and one, yes, you still feel that way. Um, you know, it does get as I mean, you know, it's kind of like meeting a celebrity. You know, uh, if you meet a celebrity the first time, somebody you've grown up uh, um, looking up to or grown up on TV, the first time you're like, oh my god, and then maybe you work with them or you net know them, and it, it becomes a lot more common. But I think there's a secret here, um, you know. Uh, you know, I, I when I talk to people in pro wrestling, right? You know, uh, somebody who's kind of become a good friend of mine is Triple H, uh, you know, uh, Paul Levesque, and he would say the secret to being a great pro wrestler is you always have to remember how it felt like when you were a kid, right? And you're a kid and you're watching like Hulk Hogan or Bret Hart or The Undertaker, and somebody's larger than life. Because 20 years in, you're doing this job and it's political and you're hurt and it's a job and you're competing with it. All the passion. And you can get so cynical and you can get so jaded. But you have to remember the little aw shucks moment. And Arthi and I have a lot of these little aw shucks moments. Like, for example, um, you know, I remember uh, our first job was at Microsoft uh, in Hyderabad. And we would hang out there all day and night, right? Like we just hang out there, we just young kids, and we'd have a little life outside. And I remember, like we would hang outside on the lawn, and all the lights would be off except the Microsoft sign. 
and you look at the sign and you feel like, wow, we're actually here, right? And this may not be relevant or understandable people in India or now, but when we were growing up, like Microsoft just kind of is an otherworldly thing. You install Windows, of you saw the logo, yeah. and Correct. here we were, and we were working there. We were a part of it, and it would feel special. And, you know, I don't want to say that I always still feel that way, but there are times when, you know, I still try and feel that way. Like, uh, here's a story which I don't think we shared, uh, or maybe we have. Um, when we first uh, moved to the U.S., we were living in Seattle. Uh, but after a year or so, we wanted to make a trip to Silicon Valley. So we caught a flight. We came down here to the Bay Area. <laughs> where we live. to be in the valley. In the valley, right? Yeah. And the first thing we did is we, and by the way, for folks who are watching this, please don't try this. We drove down to Apple <laughs> campus. We, right. we literally landed in SFO, rented a car, and then looked it up on Google Maps. And we were like, Cupertino. I think we can get there. Yeah. <laughs> and we started yeah. driving down. And typically, we, we knew nobody. We had no business at Apple. Folks watching this, do not try this. Apple security will probably arrest you or something. But we just wanted to be there, right? And we right. drove. We went to the parking lot. We stood yeah. there. And we were like... And we were like Steve Jobs used to walk here. Yeah. This is your version of people coming from all over India to stand outside Mannat. I did the exact same thing. But when I came to SF, except my version is I put it up on my Instagram story. Does anybody here work at Apple? I really want to see the campus. <laughs> and so a bunch of Indians were like, I am here. Come, come, I'll take you out. Uh, you, know, know, exactly, you know what? I'll say this happened very recently is uh, when we got to meet A.R. Rahman, right? Right, ah. and, uh, and uh, the whole thing. We should maybe do a video about the whole day. Man. But yeah, uh, I mean, I think the the to your question, Tanmay, like it never gets old, right? Like you talk to Elon Musk, and through, yeah, there is a loop in your head. It's like, holy shit, this is Elon Musk. Like, what am I doing here? I'm so stupid. I'm so like, you know, I just this question. Does it sound smart? Am I like fumbling? Am I nervous? And, you know, I, I wonder what he's thinking. Is he like, oh, my God, why am I wasting time with these two Muppets? Like, what's going on here? And, you know, you have this thread in your head all the time, like to mm. your point on like imposter syndrome. And we mm. had the same thing with A.R. Rahman. We were like, first, we were like sweating it because we we're like, my mom's going to kill us if we like botch this up. Because she like, I literally like two months before that, totally randomly, she was like, you have a show on YouTube. I'm watching it. But you need to get somebody like famous, you yeah. know, like you have to get somebody like yeah, her mom. Like, and by the way, to be clear, her mom said, you know, you don't have too many subscribers. Let me show you. And she pulled up this cooking show run by this very nice lady in Chennai who has over a million subscribers. She was like, why do you have only a few K? And she like has over lady, a million. She comes in, this lady cooks like twice a week and she gets so many views. What are you doing? <laughs> it's a great channel, amazing content, right? But there's a little part of me like, oh boy, like we're not doing something right here. <laughs> and so, yeah, we, we were like immense pressure. And also, you know, Araman's from Madras, like Chennai is where we were from. We grew up like listening to this guy. And the whole time in our heads, we were like, let's not fuck this up. Like, this is like, this is going to be terrible if we just like made, like, you know, made idiots of ourselves. And it wasn't. It was great. What did mom say after? Yeah. So she didn't call me for two days. And I was like, I was really pissed. So I called her and I was like, hey, the entire world has watched this. How did you not see this? She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I watched it. It was great. It was awesome. Did I not tell you that? It was awesome. It was great. So who's your next guest? And I was like, mom. But, you know, when when we were in the room, we kind of used to interrupt after a while. But you feel the pressure, right? Like you feel the weight of, there are probably like, 500 million people who would kill to be where you are right yeah, now, right? Yeah. And you have an hour, right, with somebody who's like a living God, 
Um, and you have to make the most of it. And uh, I remember being like, okay, are we asking the right thing? Are we making comfortable? Uh, is it insightful? Is it funny? Is it something he hasn't yeah, responded? Yeah, he seemed really comfortable. I think we were super nervous. We were like, oh, he's actually this laughing at the jokes. I think Rogan excels so much at this yeah. because he could get yeah. anyone and he manages to make an actual conversation like they're not a big deal. Yeah, yeah, like, totally. Maybe it's, he begins by talking about something like, would begin by talking about something mundane that makes them feel like this is this is low stakes. You don't have to worry about this. I don't know. There's probably yeah, some. Yeah, but also he's like super curious, like genuinely curious. Wants yeah, to know what they do. Yeah. He's yeah. not facetious about it. Has no ego about it. Yeah. And he's also like you know he he can talk about like hunting, you know uh, MMA's comedy, like yeah, you know, yeah. technology. Like you can throw whatever, and he'll just be like, oh great! Like I I always yeah. want to ask you this question, and he would just like be curious about it. It's it's very interesting, you know, because Mark Maron, who has the the amazing WTF with Mark Maron, yeah, yeah, I love that podcast. amazing yeah. podcast, and he talks about you know the fanboy episodes, right, where you're a fan of somebody, right? For mm-hmm. example, Howard Stern. For decades, was trying to get Mick Jagger, and then finally gets like 30 minutes with him. Right? He used to always talk about how we want to get Mick Jagger. Everyone has that person, and you know, and and sometimes when you do it well, it really works. Everyone mm-hmm. has a hero. Like for example, for me, uh, when we got Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, I grew up watching pro wrestling. I was totally fanning out, and it's great. I think the audience can feel the energy. They feel the energy. But he also has an interesting point that if for the guest, sometimes it's high pressure, right? Because you are in that the fan. And you feel like, wait, I have to exceed their expectations because they know all my work. They know all my movies. They know every single story. I, I'm running out of stories. And what do I give this person that is new? Uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. Like, for example, when you get interviewed, right? Like, you know, do you do you like it when it's an absolute fan? Mm, yeah, sometimes. Because they'll ask you. Um, sometimes it's really good. Because fans like fans of seeing your work in depth will ask you things that are not just general journalist interview type, which is mm-hmm. you know, uh, they'll ask you specific questions. They always have more context to your life. That's why it's more fun. Um, they're okay with you nerding out on one tiny detail about one thing that both of you know about. Mm-hmm. So I agree. I think like if I was to interview Air Rahman, I would just like 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 what a lot of you what you guys did which is let's just talk about specific songs mm-hmm. for a bit because yeah. these specific songs did a lot for me and i want to yeah. know the story behind yeah I, I was just curious yeah oh, I, I because i think for him i remember i remember going and we were like the first question i want to ask him is about uh chinna chinasai you know yeah. from roja because that is the yeah. first time every indian ever heard his work right yeah. like so right. the right. story behind that and um, what a first, what a first thing to listen to, man! Like, yeah, no, I was like, beautiful. Oh my god! Yeah, um, amazing. Are there people, you know, and we can put this into a clip or a shot and get out there? Are there people online who are creators who you would love to collab with or do projects with? There's too yet? many. In fact, while we are talking, while I was talking to you, I was like, okay, I gotta make like a two month trip to SFNLA where Shiram has very kindly put me on many WhatsApp groups with many really cool people that I should probably meet when I'm, when I'm there. Dude, uh, I'm actually, us? You didn't mention huh? meeting us here. I'll, I'll, I'll see. We'll figure it out. We'll, I'll pencil it into my schedule. We'll tra- we'll, oh my goodness. We should have a travel blog, right? Like Tanmay Aarti. Remove him from these WhatsApp groups right now. <laughs> Tanmay Aarti and Sriram, like go travel, like, do a road trip. Okay, but who do you want to collab? Who do I want to collaborate with? Yeah. Do an interview with, collaborate with, do content with, maybe meet. 
this this is way too many people pick pick two three um i want to interview donald trump for the experience of it mm-hmm. cuz i think just being now you're going to get cancelled here also i know i know i know, I know. <laughs> but like, hear me out i think look i'm trying to optimize for the experience of it not because of like i don't care about the actual how the actual interview comes out like i want to be in the room right. with someone and feel myself go through that experience i think that donald trump would be insane um and i think a lot of these are driven by like how much you've seen someone on a screen or you know the parasocial relationship you have with mm-hmm. that person like that if that those interviews are like the most interesting like have, have you seen our episode with sagar where he actually breaks it down he talks about like getting to meet trump interviewing trump what it was no, like no but i'd love thing. to watch it yeah really really my really favorite my favorite part of that is sagar describing how uh trump sets up his own lighting uh which i thought was oh, very oh i've seen this class in this clip yeah um, i love it Yeah so that that kind of thing right like you want to do an interview where it gives you five stories after or someone like there's some major perception change or you get insight into something like you want you want something like that where you're so yeah. far detached from that person that it feels almost impossible that you could ever meet them like that's the kind of experience that I want to have I think yeah Obama would be great but I think Trump would be more interesting to interview it'll, it'll break the internet for sure okay all right more unpredictable also right <laughs> Okay, last question, right? And then I have an ask. The last question for people who are watching this and they go, "I can't be funny," and I don't know how to tell a joke. Give us the thirty-second version of how do you tell a joke? Um, how would I tell a joke? First of all, everyone has been funny at some point. It's not like it's impossible to be funny. Yeah, I think a joke is nothing but a surprise. if you can surprise someone pleasantly um it will make them laugh it doesn't necessarily need to be through a joke uh it can be a physical expression it could be a physical reaction it could be a stupid dance it could be you know slipping off a banana peel that's surprising to someone it could be anything um i think a pleasant surprise is what 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 a good joke is this is how i would i would put it now you can go look at the greatest jokes and you can decode it down to this which is you know rule of 3 misdirection all of these are tools but essentially it's a pleasant surprise and your body's mm-hmm. reaction to a pleasant surprise is <laughs> I, I, <laughs> that's what your body does i love it it's cool well then mate this last hour and a half was and not just a pleasant but an amazing surprise so uh you know i just want to say something awesome. you know because a lot of people know you for just a person online but we're going to know you you know we're privileged knowing you outside that too and outside of being you know maybe funny at times you're a little funny here and there I'll give you that but you are a warm kind um an incredibly keen observer of humanity like every time you know we had a conversation you always had an observation not just about humanity but also about me which you are also come till darti about uh it is an amazing human being so thank you See, so thank much you. Uh, we thank you for showing kindness to someone you didn't really need to man you reached out to me when i was in sf like we spoke you guys you guys i love you guys you guys are so nice and i love oh, i'm oh. Happy, i'm i'm so happy you guys are making content now i'm so happy you guys are doing this climbing this new mountain makes me very happy i love it uh, okay i have an ask for you which is we do a little cold open that we start the video with right mm-hmm. so here's your chance right go for it and we will stick whatever you do next at the very beginning of this youtube video introduce this guys Guys, what you're about to see is my best interview ever. So make sure 
you watch it till the end if you're part of bot army you're going to have a good time ladies and gentlemen <laughs> you have it the one only sunday but thank you so so much this is amazing thank you thank you oh my goodness done uh, subscribe to the youtube channel uh, the good time show by arthi and shriram